Welcome to the Sunday Messages podcast from New Hope Church in Cape Coral, Florida. Our mission is to glorify God by making fully devoted followers of Christ, by belonging together, believing in Christ alone, and blessing our world. And wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we pray today's message brings you hope and help along the way. Just let that sink in for a little bit. Those faces, those stories, understanding how other people see freedom. Freedom is powerful. Freedom is precious. Especially when we see freedom through the eyes of those who have lived their entire life without it. Freedom should be celebrated, and that's why we have celebrations like what we're doing this very weekend. Out of gratitude, we are thankful for the freedom that we have. We celebrate July 4th, Independence Day, the day our forefathers and foremothers declared our freedom, our independence, with words like this. We hold these words to be self-evident, that all men, that all women are all created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And among these are, help me here, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That must be celebrated. It meant freedom, freedom from tyranny, freedom from oppression, from outside rulers, freedom from taxation without representation. But, but here's the deal. On July 4, 1776, when those men crafted that document, read it out loud, and declared our independence, we weren't yet free. That document, those words, that declaration ignited a war that would go for six years, six long years of battles and fighting and sacrifice and suffering before our country was finally free. It was a process. We as Americans are not free today because some guys sat in a room, crafted a document and declared their freedom. We are free today because fighting men and women before us have laid down their lives, have fought, and have sacrificed. That is why we're free. The story we're going to read today is a story, I believe it is the greatest deliverance story in the entire Bible. God reaches down and he takes his people, the the Hebrew people, they had been enslaved for 400 years in Egypt. And the Bible says he heard their cry and he takes them out of Egypt, out of slavery, into the promised land, and he gives them their freedom. But make no mistake... As their feet hit that dry ground in the middle of the Red Sea, even as they crossed through on the dry ground and the sea closed up behind them, swallowing up the enemy military army that was pursuing them, even on that day, they were not yet free. Ahead of them were 40 long years wandering in the desert, mile after mile of struggle, many battles Jericho, the city of Ai, would lay before them before they would step foot into the promised land and truly, truly be free. Brothers and sisters, we today, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are very much in the same boat. Yes, at the very instant, the very moment that we were saved, in that moment of salvation, God declared us free, not because of anything we did, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ is that powerful. By, by grace, we are saved through faith, and in that moment, we were set free 
free, but true freedom came for all of us and is still coming for all of us in a process. Just as our nation's forefathers and our spiritual forefathers and foremothers fought for their freedom, we must too fight against an oppressor, the very enemy of our souls, who would try to enslave us into sin. No one ever drifted into freedom. It is a choice. It is hard fought. We must pursue freedom. So if you're with me, let's discover today in God's word what that path to freedom looks like, deciding, covenanting together to take every step that God lays out before us until we are free truly free. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to the book of Joshua. We're in Joshua chapter 1. If you have your phone, you can aim at the QR code and pull up the Bible text, the sermon notes, or you can just follow in the screen behind me. It's a great story. Joshua chapter 1 kind of talks about them actually entering into the promised land after the exodus out of Egypt. We're only going to have time for just the first little bit of chapter 1, but what a great way to spend your summer nights reading through the entire book of Joshua. Let me, let me just start us off with Joshua chapter 1 verse 1. We're going to walk through and see what are the steps in this path to freedom, all right? The first step is this. We need to understand, come to grips with the fact and let go of the idea that we are still slaves. We are still enslaved to our old life. Look at verse 1. Verse 1 says this, Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, yeah, that Moses. After the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Stop right there. We're going to dig into the story in a bit, but we need to understand, first of all, what's happening. This is a huge moment, not only in the life of Israel, but very much so in the life of Joshua. Joshua, Moses, aid. He had heard that phrase since his youth. The Bible says in earlier books that he had been the aid of Moses since his youth. Pretty much his entire adult life, this was his identity. He was Moses' second guy, second man. He was always there to serve. While Moses was serving God, while Moses was serving the people, Joshua was serving Moses. This is who he was. He didn't worry about others. He didn't worry even as much about God. As long as he was pleasing Moses, it was a job well done. Suddenly, the Bible says, Now, Moses was dead. This was a huge time of transition for everybody, but especially for this guy. Every decision that had been made, every leadership role that had been fulfilled, every responsibility, all the weight of those millions of Jews, they were resting firmly on the shoulders of Moses, not on Joshua. Suddenly, Moses is no more, and all of that switches to Joshua. For the first time in the entire Bible, we see God speaking directly to Joshua. The Bible doesn't say this, but in my opinion, Joshua is shaking in his boots. In his mind, his entire identity is wrapped up on who he was. I'm, I'm just the aide. I'm the, I'm the second guy. I don't step forward. I don't step out. I don't speak up. I help, and he steps out. He steps forward. He leads. And suddenly, God, now how do I know this? Well, in this chapter, we don't have time to read the entire chapter, but if you were to read it, you would see that God says no less than five times in speaking directly to Joshua, he says these words, be strong and courageous. 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 Five times in one chapter. It must have been very important to Joshua, but why? 
Joshua, he, you got to remember, he was, okay, he wasn't the leader, but he was with the leader, watching everything, learning as he went, a part of all of the major decisions. Not only that, when, when Moses sent the 12 spies, you might remember this story, into the promised land to kind of spy it out, check it out ahead of time. You remember 10 of them came back and said, oh, we, we can't do that. It's best we just turn back to Egypt. It's, it's scary. They're, they're big. They're mean. They're like giants. They're going to devour us. But Caleb, this other guy, and Joshua said, okay, it's scary. They're big. Sure, they look like giants, but we can take them. This is that guy. Why all of a sudden is he now a scaredy cat and needing five words of encouragement from God in one tiny little chapter? What's going on here? Well, there's another word that comes up quite a bit in that first chapter. Actually, twice as many times, 11 times. You know what that word is? Moses. <laughs> now, Moses is already gone. Moses is dead. The leadership has been passed to Joshua, and yet they're still talking about him. Moses is still looming large in the story of Israel and very much in the heart of Joshua. He is still believing what others had said about him in the past. You're just the second guy. You're just the aide. You're just the servant. Many of us suffer from the same thing. You're just an addict. You're just a habitual liar. You're just a cheater. You're just someone that, that does what says one thing one day and does something different the next day. You're just unreliable. You're a sinner. God is calling us to let go of the past. We are no longer slaves. I hear this phrase even in the church, and I know folks mean it well, and it's just a way of humbly talking about who they are in Christ, but they'll say the words, oh, you know me, pastor. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I know their heart. They, in humility, they want to demonstrate that they are not all that. They're just a simple person that still makes mistakes, and God bless you. We're all in the same boat, but here's the deal. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've been washed by the blood of Jesus you are a child of God. You are headed to heaven and not to hell. You are not a sinner. That is not your identity. Now, sure, you will sin, but that's not who you are once you are in Christ. And here's the problem for many of us, and I believe also for, for uh, Joshua, he was a slave to his insecurities. He couldn't let go of who he had been in the past and who others claimed he was in the past. You remember one of the, one of the titles for the enemy, the, the Satan, the, the Bible calls him the accuser. He will always accuse you about things out of your past to tear you down. God never tears you down. God always builds you up. God always pushes you further. God always wants to make you stronger. So if something, anything is pulling you down, that is coming from the other side. So the accuser will accuse you of who you were, where you came from, how you failed in the past. Here's the deal. God doesn't just call the gifted to obey. God gifts those who are obedient for the call he has given them. Galatians 5 says it beautifully. He says, the Bible says, it is for freedom that Christ has made you free. You are free even from your past. Second step in this journey towards freedom, look at verse number two. So Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready, the Bible says. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. 
So of all the things he could have said, God says, now listen, first order of business is this. Get ready. What does he mean by that? Is it just like a logistical get ready? You know, clean up around your tents, uh, pack up all your things, put them on the ox. We're about to take off. Is, is that what he's saying? You get ready logistically? You got to understand, this is over a million people. They've been following Joshua and, and Moses and God for 40 years through the desert, waiting, waiting, hoping, hoping, praying, praying one day to step into freedom, into the promised land. At, at this point now, they are actually camped out right across the river from the promised land. They can see it with their own eyes. For 40 years, God, Moses, and Joshua have been dangling this promised land like a carrot in front of them. Trust me, they are ready. And besides all of that, they're human beings like you and me and like the folks we saw in that video. All of us are born free in our hearts. All of us long to be free. Do you have to ask any of those folks or any of us or our forefathers or the Israelites that question, are you ready? Of course we're ready. Why wouldn't we be? To find out why he said that, you got to actually jump all the way to chapter 5. Again, we don't have time to read that today. It's a, it's a great little, it's a fun little, it's a fun little circumcision story. You'll probably enjoy reading it later on today. But, um, but in chapter 5, God's led them into the promised land, and they're, they're literally one step away from taking possession and, and calling Canaan their home, right? So it's been quite a few battles and, and long steps and a lot of stories and, and the acts of God, just incredible stuff. But, but then God says, now hold on, before we go all the way in, before you are finally free and you're, you step foot into your new home, we got to take care of one more thing. He says, line up all the guys, Joshua, get out your pocket knife, we're going to circumcise all the men. And they're like, wait, what? Why is this a deal? You remember for, for years, this had been a tradition in the people of God. Those men who had left Egypt, they had been circumcised as their fathers, as their grandfathers, as their great-grandfathers. Had all, this identified them as a people of God. This was nothing new. But God said, because of your sin in the desert, this generation will not enter the promised land. Only those born in the desert, they will enter the promised land. In the desert, for whatever reason, they did not follow this tradition. So these young men, these folks under 40, had never been circumcised. Here's the deal. All they knew was life in the desert. All they knew was what their parents and grandparents had told them about life in Egypt. They had no way of focusing on the future. He said, I need to nip this in the bud. I need to stop where this is going. You need to stop looking behind you, leave Egypt in the past, and start looking in front of you. It is time to get ready. That word get ready in the original language actually means to arise or stand up. Change your position even better. Change your posture. For too long, they, for too long, we have been focused on what is behind. Where we came from, who we are, past failures, our shame, our guilt. There is no freedom behind us. Freedom is in front of us. This is what God is calling us to. In the past, you fell. In the past, you came up short. In the past, weaknesses took captive of your life, you fell uh, uh, victim to sin. But God says, arise, change your position, change your posture, because freedom is before you. Thirdly, third step in this journey towards freedom is we need to, uh, we need to be stepping up, 
stepping out and taking ground. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 says this. I will give you every place where? Where you set your foot, just as I promised Moses. This is quite a promise. This is a big deal. I will give you every place you set your foot. Can you imagine what that means? Can you imagine what that's like? It's like the, the, the Oklahoma march where they would race out into the west and wherever they planted their flag, that piece of land was theirs. These folks were ecstatic. It was electric with excitement of what was to come. But here's a cool little thing I don't want you to miss. We read in our language in English, I will give you. That's exactly what the passage means in, in English and also in Hebrew. But if you were to grammatically pull that verb apart, English teachers help me here, it is actually in the perfect tense. Perfect means past, completed. So what is God really saying? He said, I have already given you Every place you set your foot. Now, this doesn't change the meaning. We're not playing with the Bible here. If anything, it enriches, it deepens our understanding of who God is and how much he loves us and how much he is, he is for us and preparing us and the place we will go for his kingdom. He has already given us the land. But here's this for us today. He has already given you freedom. He has already given you victory over sin. But just like the Israelites, we must step out. We must place our foot. The Bible word is we must tread with our feet on that land to take possession. The whole land was given, everything they could see, but only what was claimed would be their possession. Some of you are old enough to remember that old TV game show where they would uh, take a, a closed uh, uh, grocery store and they give a husband and a wife or two housewives or two teenagers uh, shopping carts. And they'd set the clock for three minutes and then they would say, go! And they could run anywhere they wanted in that grocery store, collect as much stuff as they could. Anything in the grocery store was free, but it had to land in your basket in three minutes if you were going to keep it. And they took off and they're filling it and their, their favorite foods and their, the most expensive thing, that anything they can, and racing back to be back in three minutes. I, I think they had to stop having that show on TV because it resembled too much the evening news and all the stuff that's going on in Portland and Seattle. But, but I think for, 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 for most of us, that was an exciting deal. I, I remember as a kid, like, I, that's exactly what I would do. But can you imagine being a, a contestant in that game and, 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 and the clock hits now and, and, and the other guy's taken off and heading for the back and, and you kind of take your time right there in the entrance, like right there at the checkout lane? You're just filling up with all you can. I mean, all you'd wind up with are candy bars and, and like National Enquirer magazines. I mean, they don't even have cigarettes anymore. There's, there's no value in that, in that. I'd be heading back to the bacon aisle, you know, the steak aisle, all the good stuff's in the back. Why in the world would you hang out in the front? Folks, you know, I think there's a problem in many of our churches today. We're hanging out in the front God says, I've given you the entire city. I've given you the entire state. 
I've given you the entire world. Wherever you tread with your foot, wherever you set your foot, I have already gone before you and claimed that. That is our prayer for the Panama mission team, those folks that you just prayed for up here. Sure, we live here. Sure, we work here. Sure, we have our homes and our connections here. This is where we will come back to. But God has called specifically this group of 12 folks to step out and place their foot and say, Lord, we are taking the land that you have promised us in your power. He has already given it, but too many of us stay inside the church building, the holy huddle where it is safe. I can best live out my Christian life if I stick to other believers, if I stay with only with folks who think like me and act like me and believe like me. I'm growing best when I remain in the greenhouse of the church. Well, that may be true for a time, greenhouses have their purpose even in agriculture but one day that farmer will take that little seedling and will plant it in real dirt with real sunshine and real rain that's what that plant is made for folks you were not created for the greenhouse you were created for out there. Yes, we grow. Yes, we energize. Yes, we recharge. Yes, we have uh, God moving powerfully inside of us to prepare us for that day. But God wants to take each one of us and plant us in a neighborhood, plant us in a work situation, plant us in a relationship where we have the opportunity to bear fruit. This is what God is calling us to. The only way we can do that is if we understand how Jesus did it. There was this nickname that Jesus' enemies gave him. They looked at him and they shook their finger and they called him, You, you friend of sinners. I think he wore that like a badge. He said, You betcha. You betcha. I am here for the sick and not for the healthy. Jesus hung out with sinners. This land will not possess you, but you are called to possess the land. Fourthly, another step in this journey is to be strong and courageous. Let me read verses 5, 6, and 7. Be strong and courageous. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. So be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Again, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. God is calling us to be strong and courageous. Five times in one chapter, God repeats that. It's actually a command form. He's commanding us to be strong and courageous. It's funny, those two words, they're powerful words in English as, as they are in the original language in the Bible. But the interesting thing is how similar the meaning is. The word strong means, actually it means reinforce. Like you take something that's already strong and then you, you wrap wire or twine around it to make it even stronger. And the word courageous means determined. It means solid it even means obstinate, like just stand firm, uh, reinforce determination, immovable. Now, we're talking about this pathway to freedom. We're talking about how do we live free? What would freedom from sin and the slavery of sin look like? God could have said here in commanding the people how to get ready, he could have said, and be smart. He could have said, be fast. 
He could have said, fight hard. He could have said, go on the offensive against sin. He could have even said, go out there in the world and eradicate all forms of sin so that we can live a Christian life inside and outside equally as easily. But he didn't say any of those things. He said, be strong. He believes God is teaching us that the best way to walk in freedom is to remain on the defensive. Don't be a pushover. Don't allow yourselves to fall for the tricks and the lies of the enemy. Remain immovable even in the face of temptation. But then God gives us a promise to allow us to remain immovable. It's right there in verse number five. God says, and no one... No one will be able to stand against you. Now, this is a huge promise. It's almost as if God has rigged the game before we even started. It's almost like God has has given us the upper hand in every conversation, in every interaction, in every argument with our neighbors. He's saying they won't win. Now, I know if you watch the news, if you look outside, if you even walk outside and talk to some of our neighbors, it does look pretty scary out there. It's, there's culture wars, our economy, our, our politics, our health, our news. It looks grim. But here's the deal. God is promising in the face of all of those things that are constantly barraging us, they won't win. Now, God promises they won't be able to stand against you. That doesn't mean They won't try to get in your face. The enemy is always looking. In fact, that's one of his descriptors over in 2 Peter. It says that he is like a prowling lion. He never misses an opportunity. He's always waiting for an open door, a crack in the window to sneak in and break things apart. He's always looking. He can't win, but he's going to get in your face. There will be offenses all day long. You can't live in this world unless you hide out in this, actually, even if you hide out in this building, <laughs> I mean, unless you hide out in a cave somewhere and it's just you, chances are pretty good. You won't have many offenses. But if you live in the world, you work and you study and you raise kids or you get around to shopping or certainly if you try to, to get an early appointment somewhere, you, there will be offenses. You can't control that. The offenses will come one to 10 a day. Easy. You can't control the offense that comes. However, you can control if you choose to be offended. Being offended is a decision. Being offended is your choice. You do not have to allow that to control you. You can control it. And then finally, the last step in this journey towards freedom, verses 8 and 9. We must, we must find the right finish line. Look at verses 8 and 9. So keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Three times God talks about being successful and prospering. Three times in two verses. You think that's important for God? I think it's important to us. The key is, the key is to understand what those words mean, prosperity and and success, because in our world today, they have all kinds of crazy meanings. And before we take off after one crazy definition of success or prosperity without knowing if that's God's definition, we better make sure 
We've all seen those YouTube videos of the little Pop Warner football teams. A ball goes loose. One of the kids grabs it and takes off 99 yards right into the end zone. The wrong end zone. (laughs) We don't want to land at the end of our race having chased after the wrong finish line. What is prosperity? What is success for God? It is not house. It is not job. It is not a fat 401k. It is not a, well, it might be a boat, but that's different. It's none of these things. It's none of these things. Success for God, success for God means obedience. Success in God's economy of things means completing the purpose, the task, the command, the reason why you were created, fulfilling that purpose. That is success. Parents, we we understand this, don't we? We, You you raise kids, you only have them for a few years. Today, there's this new... um, Sorry, teenager, I'm going to pick on teenagers because it's, well, you're just so easy to pick on. (laughs) But teenagers, we're going to pick on teenagers. There's this... uh, it's crazy for, for people in my generation to understand, but, but they're choosing not to get driver's license. They, they, they're putting it off. You know, when, when, when my age, I mean, the millisecond that clock ticks 16 years old, we had that license and we were gone. You know, now they're putting it off. As long, they're putting off yeah, getting a job. They're putting off going to college. They're putting off starting a career. Why? Because, well, they just want to be free. All that stuff just kind of drags me down and, and keeps me confined. I just, I just want to be free. Well, parents, you know the deal. It's our job. It's our responsibility to to raise these little humans in a way that they understand what freedom looks like, what success looks like. We only have like 18, 19, 20 years tops. Some of us try to hold on a little bit longer. Others try to get them out a little bit earlier. That's against the law, parents. You got to keep them. But, 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 but here's the deal. If we let them go before they're ready, before they know what success looks like, the moment they're out there and, and the enemy barrages them with all that he is barraging us with, they will become enslaved to the very powers that we pray against and fight against. What, what does success look like? It says it right here in the Bible. The key to success is this. Look again at verse 8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Why? So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. This is a key to success. This is how we succeed God's way in our life, how we hit the right finish line, how we win the race and and walk the path of freedom, meditating on God's word. Why? So that we are careful to do everything in it. That word meditate is a fantastic word. It is chock full of meaning. It means everything from, from chew on, like, like really chew on all the way to, um, to kind of grumbling and, and murmuring. Mm. You, ever, you ever been into a, a really good bite of steak you can't help yourself, you just start making noises, <laughs> you know, or, or grandma's apple pie. Uh, someone made me some rhubarb jam this morning. I cannot wait to try it. I will probably make a noise when I bite into it this week. This, and there's certain things you kind of make. This is what that word means, so to, to dig into God's word in such a way that you, this is actually audible, even to the point the word even sometimes means to growl. I've told you many times about my, my love-hate relationship with my dog, Chloe. It's actually my daughter's dog. She lives in our house for a few weeks now, and then she'll go back to my daughter. For whatever reason, of all the people in my family, this dog loves me the most. 
She only wants to be with me, be a part of my life. I walk out, whether I walk out for a trip for a week or I walked out to get the mail, she reacts as if I've been gone for a year. She's jumping up and down, yelping, and she's so excited to see me, so excited to be with me. I think it probably has something to do with the fact that I slip her salami every night when Chanel's not looking. Don't tell her she's back with the kiddos. But here's the deal. As much as Chloe loves me, on those rare occasions that I actually give her a real, a real life bone, like those real like dog bones you get over at Publix, and she's over there in the corner just doing her thing, and she's chewing, and she's, she's, she's meditating, she's, she's making grumbling noises. If I, the one she loves more than anyone else in the house, even if I go over there and reach down like I'm going to take that bone, I'm going to pull back a nub. <laughs> that dog don't play. That murmuring, that meditating, that mmm, turns very fast to a growl. Here's the thing. This is the same reaction God is calling us to have with his word. When was the last time we were so into a Bible study, so into a quiet time, so into a passage out of God's word that we were audibly, audibly enjoying that? And the fact, if anything, whether it was the computer, social media, our neighbor, work, anything else tried to pull that away from us, we actually growled in resistance, do not take God's word away from me. It is that important to me. How's your quiet time? Is that something you do regularly? Is that something that you depend on for the rest of your day? Are you fighting for those moments alone with God and his word? I think David said it best in the book of Psalms. Lord, your word have I hid in my heart that I would not sin against you. Folks, here's the deal. Whether we're signing up on a mission trip to go to Panama, like this awesome group of 12, they're going. Again, uh, let me, little shameless advertising. You, you see the little baseball cards we've laid out. Those are, those are not for trading. Those are for taking home and praying for all of those members of the mission team. Uh, all week long, uh, I, my Chanel, Christopher, and I, we leave a few days early, so we'll be there to get ready. Then the entire team flies out on Saturday, and they'll be there for a whole week. So pray for them every day. And just like it says, that text at the bottom, uh, safety and travel mercies, yeah, that's, that's all good and fine. The important part is the bottom. Pray for open doors. We are praying that we would get to the gospel with every conversation, with every interaction with somebody, with every visit to the hospital, visit to the children's home, visit into schools, wherever we go, that we would get all the way to the gospel message. Pray for those open doors. So, so, so whether you're heading out on a mission trip or you're leaving here in a few minutes to walk back out into the world, this is how you can be free. God has called us to freedom. Stop living in slavery and hiding in your holy huddle. Be free. Be free. Be strong and courageous and be free. Let's pray. Father God, you have given us a strong word. You have created us for freedom. You have brought us to Christ for freedom. I am so sorry that we continually step back into slavery, to sin or insecurities or fear or anything else that comes from our past. God, freedom is ahead of us. Remind us every day to posture ourselves towards the future and the freedom that you've promised. We love you, Jesus. Amen.
Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. You can find more free resources, learn about our church, and partner with us financially when you visit us online at newhopecapecoral.com. Also, if you have a question or a story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line on the contact page, once again, at newhopecapecoral.com. Finally, if this message was a blessing to you, would you take a moment to share that blessing with others? You can do that by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen, and by leaving a review to share your story with others. Thanks again for tuning in and for helping us share the hope of Jesus with the world he loves. We'll see you next time.